You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Mizzou That's Who. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Mizzou That's Who here on KC Sports Network, presented by you, the fine folks of people listening to this podcast. I'm joined as always by Gabe DeArmond and Maggie Johnson. We are so stoked to have Gabe back. He decided to return our text, return our messages, and he has decided to rejoin the podcast here. Gabe, how are you? Uh, how was your vacation? It was good. I highly recommend a two-week vacation in the middle of the football season. Um mm. Every year, that might be a thing. Um, Power Bazoo is still running. The podcast appears to still be going. I'm not sure I'm all that necessary. I may move back. That's probably uh, wise wise words. Uh, I would encourage it, actually, truthfully. Uh, I saw you tweet out a picture of the AP Italy. Uh, yeah. or, uh, that, was a, that was a pretty cool uh, shot. I, I did not get hired. So. Crap. Um, sorry. There's always next year. Maggie. How are you doing? Good. I don't know if anybody listened to our podcast while you were gone, Gabe. I I didn't look at I, listeners or anything. I would I would I would tell you I did, but I didn't. No, I will told, tell at some point. I mean, maybe like one person told me they listen, but I don't know if anybody's oh. listening. Well, more than I thought, truthfully. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> big win there for us, uh, Missouri. Coming to this game, uh, obviously, Maggie, you and I broke this game down last week. Uh, they do lose 49-39, 10-point loss. Uh, they do not cover. The way that that game ended was very unceremonious. Uh, but, Gabe, I want to get your first thoughts, first reactions from the uh, end result of that game. Well, my first reaction at the pick six was, oh, the, Scott Van Pelt's going to talk about this game. Oh, yeah. That's, that's going to happen. You know, um, but, like, I understand. I, I was actually pretty impressed with the reaction. I haven't seen a lot of over-the-top, you yeah. know, uh, jumping off any bandwagons or anything like that. Um, but same token, when you're up 22 to seven at home, you need to win when mm. your offense, you know, comes back and gives you the lead with five and a half minutes left. You, you, you need that defense to hold it. When you get back down to the 40 yard line, you, it, it's okay. If you don't score, it's less okay. If you don't score because the center, forgets when to snap the ball. So I understand like micro level being frustrated about the game. Six weeks ago, I think all of us would have said best case scenario for this team after six games is five and one with a competitive loss to LSU. That's where they're at. I, I mean, I, I yes, you would have had some people say, well, why can't they be six and oh, but that that's like a that's kind of fantasy land. I mean, could they have been six and zero? Yes, but nobody would have expected. Yeah. I saw on Power Mizzou, Gabe. You said this, and since you didn't listen to the podcast, I feel like I get to say this. Tucker said this multiple times last week. We <laughs> we talked about it, and you said the same thing on Power Mizzou that we were playing with house money, and it, so it's really funny that you you put that on your ten things because Tucker said the same thing. Well, and the reason, like, I didn't make a pick before the game because I thought it was kind of unfair not having seen Vandy, not having seen LSU, Ole Miss. Like, I'm not just going to fly. But I would have picked LSU by six points. Like, I I told people before the game I'd, I'd pick LSU by six. And the reason was because 
Like if LSU loses that game, the season is, yep. I, I mean, dumpster fire. Like people are starting to talk about how much does it cost to get rid of Brian Kelly? Not that they would have fired him, but that's where it would have gone. LSU had to win that game. Yep. Missouri wanted to win, but it didn't. And, and honestly, we probably should have. I mean, the way that we were moving the ball, the fact that we had the ball in LSU territory under two minutes, there's really no reason that we shouldn't have won that game. We just, and I hate, I hate saying this, but we kind of mazooed that game away. It's like you said, you know, we had, we had second and one. Do I think that we should have probably ran the ball and just got a first set of downs? Yes, but... Let's talk about that in a minute because I actually don't agree, but go ahead. I, I mean, I didn't, fig- I didn't figure that you would agree, but I'm going to say it anyways because that's just what I like looking at it, at, you know, seeing it second and one to, in my mind. Cody Schrader's moving the ball quite well. I saw on Drake's press conference, he said he didn't think that we were running the ball that well. I mean, I thought Cody Schrader had a pretty good game i think what did he do he went 13 carries for 114 yards three touchdowns i thought he pretty good game pretty good game if if you ask me but so you had that but then obviously the fallout came immediately after that i mean if you make that catch on that second and one everybody's nobody's talking about how he run the ball on the second and one but then it's the snap infraction and then it's the fumble and then you're what are you at fourth and 29 was it fourth and 29, fourth and 32? Not worth I mean, something absolutely crazy that you can't really come back from at that point. So, but anyways, like I went on an LSU, I went on an LSU podcast last week and I said the same thing about how losing this game was never going to determine if this was a successful season for Mizzou or not. Like we still have every chance to have a successful season. I mean, even. Losing, going nine and three, going eight and four, that's a successful season for Mizzou at this point. Oh, yeah. But we still have to play every single team except Vandy from the East. Like, we can still have as successful of a season as we want to have. Um, it just comes down to what we want to so do. So, you, you said Mizzou should have won the game. I'm curious, do you guys think Mizzou should have won or Mizzou could have? Well, I think because, on- because I think if I think if LSU had lost that game, they're saying the same thing Missouri is. Man, we we really blew. Like I think both sides. I don't think it was an incredibly well. There was like ninety-seven penalties in that game. Yeah. Like I think both teams very well could have won that game, but I I don't know if I go to. Should, I, I think there's a difference between could have and should have. And, I think and- I I think us having the ball with two minutes left, the way that we had moved the ball all game. I think we should have won that game. I don't think looking pregame, I mean, I picked us to win on this podcast and I picked the score get, looking back in retrospect kind of low. And a lot of people were like, I picked 35-32 Mizzou. And people were like, how'd you get 32? At one point, the score was 35-32. I do just want to throw that out there because we did go for that two-point conversion, which was kind of crazy. But I think that in that situation with two minutes left we should have won the game I don't know if like I think that throughout the entire game I agree with you I think LSU fans if they would have lost that game they would have felt the same way but we talked about this at the end of the Memphis game that all you can ask for is to like have the ball at the in your hands at the end of the game and we had the ball in our hands at the end of the game with the opportunity to win the game 
So in my opinion, I think we should have won that game. And I will say this. If they don't get the penalty on third and one, I think they do win the game. I agree with you. And I, I think agree. they probably win it in regulation. Yeah. I agree with you. I don't think I don't think that we have to kick a field goal to tie it. I think they move the ball down with and probably score in the last minute. Yes. Yep. I think they run the clock. Like, which is why I thought that they would maybe run the ball in the second and one. Because how many timeouts? We still have three, right? We have two or three. Three, because they use the ball last. Because Mm -hmm. that's why Drake said that he, uh, why he was confident that we would get the ball back after we, after we went for it on the fourth, the fourth and long. Why he was confident we would get the ball back because we had all those timeouts. I think you got to give a hat to LSU's defense um, and the adjustments that they made at halftime coming out. Um, I think that that deserved, I mean, LSU was probably one of the worst secondaries in terms of the Power Five. Um, and they were able to adjust and not allow them to conti- not allow uh, Luther Burton to continually gash them or Theoe to continually gash them. Um, so I think that there gives them a little bit there. That's an interesting question that you asked, Gabe. And, and I was I was pondering that could they have won? Should they have won? Uh, and, and I'm with you on the same page. Is if they get that third and one, they should have won the game. Um, but as I mentioned all last week, like this game, and I don't, I don't think anyone has really thought that like the season's totally over, right? I think even in some of my responses to like, all right, like it's just fine. Like on to Kentucky. Kentucky's a big game. Like that'll be a good one. That's under the lights. It's a prime time game. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that game here in a little bit. Uh, but you got to be able to move the flip the switch quick onto that one. But LSU was coming off a game to Ole Miss where they kind of got embarrassed, truthfully. I mean, I mean, you're losing to the Ole Miss team that it's not a not Lane Kiffin's best team, I don't think he's had there. Uh, an Ole Miss team that against Alabama kind of got rolled up, and Alabama has shown that they're probably not the same Alabama. Um, so it, it's it's interesting with LSU coming into this game, and, and Gabbethy hit the nail on the head. Like That game meant a little bit more in terms of LSU season than it did for Missouri season. Um, but I thought the offense... Overall, it's played really well. I mean, Luther Burden continues to be uh, the guy that we thought he was going to be. And dare I say it, Gabe, is Luther Burden exceeding expectations? I know that we had a high expectations for him. I know last year we started the podcast and you were like, "How? What, what's your expectations for Luther Burden? One of our first episodes, that's that what it was. Um, and he seems to be exceeding expectations now as he has uh, nearly 150 yards in this game. Um, and he is continually leads the SEC in receiving yards. I believe he leads the country. Leads the country. Yeah. Okay. That's insane. Um, but there's some pretty darn good wide receivers. I had tweeted out during the game a video of his uh, touchdown, and I said, or not just touchdown, the, the deep pass that he got, uh, the, where he went up and got it uh, over the guy, and I said, like, he's the best underclassman wide receiver in the country. And some people were very quick to push back and say, like, no, he's the best wide receiver in the country. Listen, Marvin Harrison Jr. is pretty yeah. dumb. Marvin Harrison Jr., by the way, technically still an underclassman. That is true. I mean, he can go pro, but he's a true junior. Yeah. But I, I did not think about that. Uh, that is true. Um, and he could be in an NFL offense like tomorrow and be okay, and you would not notice him there. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is that good. He's that dude. There's a lot of good guys around the country, like Roma Dunzi. But, I mean, if you look at – I saw someone in our KCSN Discord. I think Steve Gray put this out there in our KCSN Discord – we talk about the Texas receiving room having a lot of good guys, A.D. Mitchell, uh, Xavier Worthy. Combine both of those guys' yardage, Luther Burden still has more than both of those guys combined. Um, so he's been having an incredible year. And Gabe, to the question I asked you before I just started answering it myself, um, <laughs> is he exceeding our expectations? He's exceeding mine. 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, before the season, the the topic kind of was, can he have a thousand yard season? And we said, yeah, he can. Will he? I don't know, but he can. Um, I I ran the numbers comparing him and like people that have been on Power of Mizzou since 2009 are so tired of hearing me say this, but like Denario Alexander's 2009 season is like, hang it in the Louvre. It is unbelievable. It's the best non-quarterback season I've ever seen at the University of Missouri. And it was just, I, I, I mean, it was every single week what he was doing. And so I ran the numbers on uh, Saturday night and I heard Mike Kelly say on the broadcast that Luther has more receiving yards than any player through six games in Missouri history. He said that, by the way, at halftime. Um, and uh, he he has somewhere around 150 more yards than Denario had through six games in that 2009 season. Now, hang on, because I, I wrote this this morning. I'm going to read you Denario's last seven games of that season. Okay. Six for 74, average day, six for 74 against Texas. Eight for 123 and two touchdowns. 13 for 214 and a touchdown. 10 for 203 touchdowns at Kansas State in the single best game I've ever seen a Missouri player play. 11 for 173 and a touchdown. 15 for 233 and a touchdown. And six for 137 and a touchdown. I mean, his worst game in the second half of the season was six for 137. So <laughs> as good as Luther's been in the last seven games, he has to have a thousand, legitimately a thousand yards from here on out to catch Denario. But he's got a chance. Yeah. I, and, and he's actually, he's on pay. He's got 11 more catches than Denario had at this point in the season, you know? And um, I, I think the best sign to me, though, is not what Luther's done. It's that Theo Weiss has turned into a, Maybe not what everybody hoped he was, but pretty good. Mookie Cooper, I, I, I'll be honest, I'd given up on Mookie. Two games in, I said, this isn't working, guys. Like, it's, it's I don't know, why, it's not going to happen. And just personally, I, I got to know Mookie because I did a, a video thing with him, you know, last spring. And I'm so happy for the kid to finally in his fourth year of college football to be doing what he's doing. I mean, he made a couple of big time catches, including the one I think they got Missouri down to the 41 that that had them kind of in position to uh, to maybe go win that game. So I, I think bigger than, not bigger, because what Luther's doing is like first-team All-American stuff, but just as big as the fact that other guys are now contributing as well. Because there were a couple games there where it was like build the whole plane out of Luther, and now it's like Luther's the engine, but like there are some other parts here that make it and I, I put it in my notes. I was like, Mookie had a great day. And I mean, he he had the same amount of yards as Theo. I mean, Theo had four catches for 80 yards and Mookie had seven catches for 80 yards. But I mean, both players contributing 80, 80 yards either way is yeah. amazing. I mean, it's yeah. such, they're such a good complementary system. You, and that's what I said. And also by the way, they was played like, that game without Makai Miller. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, who was probably their number four receiver. Right. I mean, and it was a day and Marquise Johnson was in there because he he played on um, some kick returns or, you know, some kickoffs. But like he didn't have I don't think he had any receptions. I don't think he, uh, catch Daniel Blood had a couple. 
Yeah, he did because I was like, I was like, who caught that? And then they said it, and I was like, oh, nice, another, another. I said, I do not know who that guy is, including the catch on the really weird hook and ladder that they somehow thought was maybe going to pick up thirty-two yards. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but no, I was really happy for Mookie too. It's you like to see them getting all of them involved, and especially just somebody that's kind of had a rough go, like Mookie. But yeah, I tell people every time I go on a guest podcast, I'm like. You can't just focus all of your energy on Luther Burden because if you do that, you're going to end up getting burned by Theo or Mookie. And that was the thing that we had talked about at the beginning of the season. I can remember like this offense will be good with Luther, but like it's going to really be determined how good this offense can be as if the other pieces. I really loved in the opening drive, I believe it was the opening drive, where uh, they threw the ball to uh, Theo in the end zone. He didn't catch the first one. Um, and then they're like, all right, let's go right back to you. And what? <laughs> and then I'm just saying, like, it's like, okay, we got it. Um, I really have been impressed with Theo Weiss. Again, um, to kind of reiterate, reiterate what you guys were saying, I didn't necessarily anticipate, like, this, getting this output from Theo Weiss. We knew that he could be good, but getting this uh, this output from him uh, has been very good. Marquise Johnson, looking at it here, uh, two catches, 42 yards. It's like one of those things, just like, where did this I forgot of him. I don't remember either of those catches. I don't either. I don't either. To be honest with you, I think one of them was a deep ball too, because that's literally all the pass- catches, passes he catches are uh, just deep balls. Uh, but like that's the guy who's just like, wait, where did this guy come from? And that's what you want to see. And and Maggie, I had mentioned this, and we even clipped it for social. What I can remember, Eli Dringos at the beginning of the year saying like, I'm tired of talking about how much potential this wide receiver room has. I want to see them actually go out there and do it. They're now going out there and doing it. Big reason is because I think of Brady Cook. Like Brady Cook has been playing very well. I know it's it was really disappointing to obviously see him throw that interception and the streak be broken. But then the pick six, the way that that game ended, was very disappointing as well because his his decision making has been so good this year. But um, but let's be honest, that pick six only mattered for the betters. Missouri was not going ninety five yards. That's fair. I think that like there was some optimism. I don't maybe not for me because of the way that the offense had like kind of stuttered and stalled. A lot of it was self-inflicted, but I did think LSU did a lot better job in the second half of playing uh, Brady Cook and playing Luther Burden. I think I meant to run the numbers on this before, but I think he only had like 40-some yards in the in the second half Luther did. Uh, so they did a really good job of containing Luther. Um, and, and like, listen, those guys are on scholarship too. Like, those are some good players. I think I think it showed some, some real talent uh, on the LSU team. Um, Mizzou's almost there. Like, I think that's what we can say is like Mizzou is almost that, to that level of the LSUs and and up there, they're, they're almost just about there, but didn't quite get over the top. I think a big part of that, though, Jane Daniels played a hell of a game. That dude, yeah. I, I, he's a dog. Like, to take that hit, which was a late hit. Um, and Late hit, but not dirty. Right. Like, if they had a flag that, I'd have had a big problem with that. It wasn't dirty. You're right. It was, it's, what happens when you're, it's what happens when you're a running quarterback, though, a lot of the time. I mean, percent should maybe and, expect to get hit a lot. And so this kind of takes me into... Uh, the next one I want to talk about, we got to take a break first, um, but I want to talk about the defense a little bit. Uh, first, I got to say, you guys, about home field apparel. I'm rocking the home field apparel hoodie, very comfortable hoodie that I like here. Uh, I got it, and uh, Maggie's rocking the mighty, is that that's a big eight champion shirt? Is that correct? Yes. 1961? 1961. That's pretty sick. Uh, 1960. Right? That's a 61 well, right on the shirt. I'm looking at it. 61, and it says 60 on the bottom, so I don't know. It's, it just covered all of the days. Yeah, just. Yeah. Just whatever you case. feel like. <laughs> whatever you feel like. Uh, but they got some great designs over at homefieldapparel.com. Make sure you go check them out. Use the code KCSN23 for 15% off your first order. Get a hoodie. 
get a shirt, be suited and booted for the next time uh, the Missouri Tigers have a home game in Columbia, or if you're going down uh, to Lexington, make sure you're suited up for that. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about the defense. Is there signs for concern? Is there starting to worry about the defense? Let's talk about it next. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. All right, welcome back into Mizzou. That's who here on KC Sports Network. Um, this has kind of been a point that people in my mentions have been saying this about the Missouri defense. You look at some of the last few point totals that they've allowed, not necessarily what we would expect if you would have said at the beginning of the season. They would allow as many points as they did against Memphis and Vandy. Um, now, to be fair, LSU's got some absolute dudes at wide receiver. Uh, they've got two of the best wide receivers in the SEC. Um, and... They had themselves a day. Sometimes you just can't you just can't stop it. Uh, but Gabe, did this game cause any alarm bells to go off for the Mizzou defense in the way that they played it? And even you know they had an injured. I can see some people's point of view being like, you know what, they had an injured quarterback and they let him run all over him in the last little bit there to let him come back. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Missouri defense? Yeah, th- this game didn't cause alarm bells for me. Um, the game LSU played on. Saturday was exactly pretty much their average for the season. They're averaging 45 points a game and like 15 more yards per game than they got against Missouri. This is what they do. Yeah. LSU held them to 24, but that's kind of it. I mean, I, I I think it's a perfect example of all we do is focus on our team. What did our team do wrong? 
to let this like if you're watching that game and go, oh my God, Luther Burden's great and LSU can't cover him. Well, guess what? Malik Neighbors is great too. And, I, you know, so it can't be, well, they can't cover our guy, but why the hell can't we cover their guy? Because he's a really good player. Um, yeah. You know, it, the the tough part with Daniels is, um, and Ben Fredrickson brought this up post-game with uh, Darius Robinson, like you want to get pressure on the quarterback, but that actually almost makes him better. Because Tyron Hopper got back there, and Daniel's just like, oh, yeah, bye, I'm, I'm go that way. <laughs> and then he hurdled a guy on third down. You know, and he is he is fast for a quarterback. I mean, I don't know that he's Brad Smith fast, but he's not that much slower, and he throws the ball a lot better than Brad did. So it, it almost like, it, it made me think of when, when Missouri went to Lawrence in Brad's junior year, and Mark Mangino just, he didn't rush the quarterback said, we're just going to stand here and kind of make your offensive linemen think maybe they have to try, but we're going to stand here because we're not going to let you run the football on us. But the problem with Daniels is you can't do that because he's a good pass. He's an NFL quarterback, and he played like an NFL quarterback. Now, look, I'm not trying to make the guy into, you know, maybe Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton quite yet, but he's the best quarterback Missouri's going to play this year. And sometimes the other guy makes plays. You know, this, well, it's inexcusable to let him out at third and nine. No other player on Missouri's schedule makes the play he made on third and nine. There's not another one, you know? And so sometimes you just say, hey, man, you got got by a guy that's a really good player. And that doesn't mean everything's okay with Missouri's defense because I've got some concerns, but it's not specifically because of that. Yeah, they just have so many weapons. I mean... The running back was great. I mean, Logan would Logan Diggs rush for 134 yards, and like a hundred in the first half. Yeah, <laughs> like they didn't throw the ball in the first half at all. No, I think he. I didn't write down his carries, but I think he had 24. I mean, they. We thought that going into that game, I was convinced that they were going to try to beat our secondary because why would they not try to beat our secondary? Our rush defense has been decently solid. That's not been that big of an issue. Our secondary is, you know, we've been getting beat on long plays. That's where I thought they were going to have Thomas Thomas and neighbors, you know, beat us that way. And honestly, I didn't even realize until this morning that neighbors had how, however many yards that he had. Um, 146. Yeah. That was kind of a quiet 146. I think Luther Burton had 149. I didn't even realize neighbors had 146 yards. I think I was so so focused on um, Jaden and Diggs rushing all over us that I didn't even realize that that happened. I think all three of them had most of their yards combined. I think Thomas only had like 60 yards and he's a stud too. So being able to contain, you know, contain them, I think they did pretty good. I think Chris Abrams, Drain and Rakestraw both did a pretty good job. Overall, I think Ennis might have gotten hurt at some point because I looked at snap counts and he didn't play a lot. Uh, Drayden Norwood mm-hmm. played actually more than he did. I thought Chris oh, really? Abrams comparably, uh, yeah, Norwood played more snaps than than Ennis did on Saturday. I thought KAD was phenomenal. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he leads the country in pass breakups. I don't understand why people keep throwing that. Go go somewhere else. You know, mm-hmm. when I was doing that, when I was doing that LSU podcast last week, in I'd watched the podcast episode from before and, you know, they were 
saying about how Dogwater, Missouri Secondary had been. And I was like, well, I mean, our, our, our um, safeties had been great. But I was like, our corners are pretty good. So I talked about that like oh, quite a bit on that podcast. And I was telling them how I was pretty excited to watch the battles between Chris Abrams Drain. Because I was like, I don't think you guys really know about, you know, kind of how good those corners are. But yeah, I agree. I think um, I think KAD had a, had a really good game. And yeah, I was proud of them overall. I mean... You made you made their playmakers. You made Jane Daniels beat you, and they did, yeah. and he did. You know, I was really impressed what with Jane Daniels. Personally, I mean, I think that I, I was impressed with how he kind of just like took over that game. I was like, all right, uh, this is my game now, and it was it was frustrating, obviously, sitting there and like watching it happen and everything like that. Just like you know that this guy's gonna scramble and. A scramble for the touchdown he had was just like one of the one of the plays. I was just like, dude, um, just like that. That guy is is he's a dude, and he he played really well. And I think that you know, it's it's one of those tough ones that you're gonna you're gonna rep. Devin Leary's not gonna do that next week. Uh, I can promise that right. Devin Leary's not gonna be be doing that. So AJ Jefferson maybe could, but that's about it. That's I don't think yeah. he has the offensive. I don't think he has. I don't think he line to do that. Yeah, and I don't no, think he has the line. I don't think he has a line to protect him as as but I don't think his line's as good as LSE's. I mean, what what makes a great player great is when you know what they're gonna do and you still can't stop it. Right. right? I mean, that, I always said that about Brad when he was here. Other teams knew what he wanted to do. They just couldn't keep him from doing it. That's why he was great at what he did. And it's the same with Daniels. I mean, you know, and again, I'm not sure the Missouri defense is is great. I'm not sure it's as good as it was last year. But I don't think it's Saturday that proves that for me. I, I think yeah. this Saturday is big to to figure that out. They they best not be giving up forty nine to Kentucky. No, um, the rush defense is going to be very interesting to see uh, with Mizzou against, especially they got Ray Davis over there uh, at, at Kentucky. So that's going to be a really interesting one. And I believe you were talking about Chris Abram Strain. He was like a projected day two pick, like last year. Like yeah, that's what people were talking. Like he was him and Anna Strakeshaw were both like guys that were like, yeah, these guys could go day two draft if they went in right now. Uh, and they've only improved their stock since they've since they've came back. So really great to see uh, Caleb Evans. We got to see him against the Minnesota uh, Minnesota Vikings, CSC Chiefs. Got to see him play. And he's been playing really well this year. So I mean, DBU. Some are saying uh, that the uh, Mizzou is. <laughs> I mean, I mean, DBU did play on Saturday at Furrow Field, but. How far DBU has fallen because they're DBs this year? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. 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 Not right now. Not so much DBU right now. Yeah. <laughs> they come um, I do wanna I do wanna ask a question about Tyler Stevens. How do you how do you keep him in? How do you keep him in the game? Okay. So one drop pass you can deal with because Luther drops passes. Yeah. I mean, that that happens. Two drops. Pretty unacceptable. Four, it's on three and four is on coaching, in my personal opinion. You can't you can't keep them in the game. Cause at that point, it's mental. I mean, yep. you have to put Norfleet in. You have to put uh who's the Jordan Harris, right? Jordan Harris. I you can't you can't keep yep. him in the game. He was a liability. And I mean, he cost a it it hurt. No question. I, and I agree. I said the same thing this morning. The fourth one, that's not his fault, man. I mean... Yeah, he, coaching. He, he, it's tough to have him in there. And 
It's a little bit surprising. And look, I'm not saying Brady should do this because you just, hey, you play with who's out there and you throw to the guy that's open, right? Yep. Like, there, I've seen games like that where the, the quarterback sees a guy and goes, oh, no, I'm not throwing to that guy, you know, I, because I, I've just, I've been burned. And I, like, I don't think that means you give up on Tyler Stevens for the season. Right. I'd have given up on him for that day, but I would, I would play, I would play Norfleet more because Norfleet's a true freshman. And mm-hmm. Tyler Stevens got six games left. You know, like, you can't have that high. And, and we've seen him for a year and a half. And I, and look, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that I break down tight end blocking. Maybe he's excellent at it. I don't really know uh, because it's not something I care that much about. That's the coach's sure. job, not mine. But if you want to have him in there to run block and do that and every now and then be an outlet receiver, okay. Um, but I, if you want the tight end to be part of the passing game, I, I don't think yeah. he can be the guy. It's he's, not a situation like Connor Tolleson where, which, you know, yeah, where if you want, if you want, we don't have another option. You know what I mean? You have other options. Like you have other people you can put in if you want to do the tight end passing game. Oh, we don't and really I feel have like he's been good in that. Like I don't, I don't feel like that's like that bad of an option either. Like Northfleet, especially is that what you said, yeah, yeah, Northfleet, yeah. I, I don't, I don't feel like that's that bad. I, I, we, we were talking to Dante Hall kind of about this um, on a podcast because it was during the Chiefs like drop struggles, right? The Chiefs having problems dropping the ball, and Dante Hall said, "There's been times where I have thought." Do not throw me the football. And after the second drop, I was I could you could just see Tyler Stevens be like, "Do not scared to get the ball." And, I mean, it was back to back plays. Yes, yes, it was just like, "Do not." Uh, he did not want the ball anywhere near him because he was not sure what was going to happen. Right. It That's was awesome. funny though. Somebody somebody said on our board like, "I've never seen that." I'm like, "Dude, I saw it like four weeks ago in the NFL." <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean. At least one of his drops didn't go right into a uh, DB's hands and right. take it all the way back for an interception and a pick six. But, uh, I mean, that's at least a good thing about the drops if we want to look at the silver lining. Uh, but, yeah, it's tough. Um, I don't know. I've been, I've been impressed with Norfleet this year, uh, probably just because it's a low bar to clear right? when we're talking about the tight end fasting game in Missouri. Um, so I'm like, look at that guy. Uh, he, he can catch the football. Uh, so that was pretty, that was, that was pretty cool. But. I don't know. I don't see Mizzou going a lot of heavy 12 personnel where you're using two tight end sets or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it's a tough, it was a tough one to watch. It was one of those things where like, wow, like that kid is, that kid is feeling every single eye in that stadium on him right now. And that, that's gotta be a tough place to be. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are a lot of plays you can pick out that like, I don't remember one of Tyler Stevens drops and thinking that one lost the football game but obviously sure. they contribute you know i mean there are a lot of plays you can pick out i i still you know go back to the the penalty week i it mm-hmm. surprises me i was just on our message board and there are still people debating three days later whether it was dumb to to throw the ball on second one and i i just here's my here's my i guess justification for it it's a perfect time to throw because if you don't get it you've got two more plays to run to get a yard yep Right. Uh, I mean, sure. the idea is, hey, we can get a yard. If, if the thought is, well, we know we're going to get a yard on second and one, then you know you're going to get a yard on third and one. You know, um, yeah. I mean, and, and so I, I think that was the pass that they had Luther open. It was just a shallow cross. 
and it got batted down. The LSU guy made a nice play. He got batted down yeah. from the line of scrimmage. And again, if they just snap the football, they probably convert third and one. But when you make it third and six, the entire game changes. You take the handoff to Cody Schrader or the option or whatever you want to run. That's not on the table anymore. You kind of have to drop back and throw. And then you're all SEC left tackle. Just, I mean, he just flat got beat. He, he just got beat at a really bad time. And, you know, then I, I didn't have a problem with going for it on fourth and 32. Um, you know, uh, there are other options. They could have punted. It might have saved them a little field position. I actually saw somebody on our board suggested what they should have done is throw deep on fourth and 32 because either then you on punt. Good happens. You complete a pass or get a penalty. Or if not, hey, cool. LSU takes over at like the 18-yard line or whatever it was. And if you can keep them out of the end zone on three plays, you're actually going to get the ball back down six with 45 seconds left to play. So it made some sense, but I'm not big on let's let's super nitpick fourth and 32, right? Like a, a couple weeks right. ago, Chiefs went on fourth and 25, and people are like, what are they doing? I'm like, well, I mean, he did actually put the pass in the guy's hands for 26 yards. You know, I mean, <laughs> if I had any problem with fourth and 32, it's, well, maybe could do you throw the ball 32 yards? Or yeah, yeah. You're going to lateral. Could you have your super elite wide receiver be involved on one end of that? But again, what what works on fourth and 32? Right. But people on the message board also had like multiple days or hours or however long to think about it and you know drink had like 30 seconds so right and i mean look like drink wasn't in the top five of idiotic coaching decisions in the final minute of college football this weekend no so. gosh the, the miami i think we all agree that miami takes the cake if miami was bad jetfish didn't know the rules lincoln riley screwed up nick saban screwed like it yeah, I've heard so many podcasts in the last two days that are like, these guys, why do they get paid millions of dollars? They, they can't even figure out what to do. Yeah. yeah, but the USC game was pretty hysterical, hysterically bad also at yeah. <laughs> the end of that game. It was definitely Pac-12 after dark. Or Big Ten. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to soon to be. Uh, before we move on, uh, before I tell our other five folks at DraftKings, do we have anything we wanted to hit on before we move to Kentucky in this Back half here. Feel like we hit it all. I don't know. I don't see a pretty uh, good, good job. Good good crowd. Good environment. Very, Absolutely. very a very like two thousand eight ish type day for a field, I thought. It, it was we very did. cool. Mm. Brian Kelly, if you're listening, that wasn't homecoming. Not homecoming. Not homecoming, Brian also, Kelly. Could have made it without a jacket on that day. Right? You, so so we guess at this point, Ryan Kelly just says things, right? Like he has no idea what he's saying. He just he's kind of an idiot. Just come out of his mouth. Yeah. When he's like, "We use that homecoming as motivation." Ha ha ha! I'm like, it wasn't even homecoming. I don't know what you're even talking about. What whatever works, though. I guess. Yeah. I know. We maybe we should tell people that they're Great. scheduling us for. Just tell people every game is homecoming. Yeah. You guys are homecoming opponent for the ninth consecutive game. It must work because, I mean, Georgia made up all kinds of stuff last year about how everybody thought that they were a bad football team. But, like, everyone's like, nobody said that. What everybody thinks about? Georgia's going 6-6. Six and six. I'm like, not a soul said that. Nobody thinks you're going 6-6. Six and six. Now, this year they might. But, um... People well, they've got a good start because they're 6-0. and oh. Yeah. Drop the next six. Their, their schedule, Maggie and I talked about this last week, their schedule 
cupcake the rest of the way. They have like the easiest schedule of all time because they play in the SEC East, truthfully. Um, and they have to play. All their road games are like a joke. It's like yeah. Vanderbilt on the road, Georgia Tech on the road. Listen, don't count. Tennessee's like their hardest game. Don't count out the Tennessee's like their hardest game on the road. Yeah, Georgia Tech now. Who did they beat? Miami. Hmm? Oh, yeah. Duh. Ooh, yeah, no. there's. I'm just talk about it. I don't know. If some people wanted Mario Cristobal's head on a pike after that was done, I mean, what do you mean? What I, are you doing? I 100% support firing Mario Cristobal before he got to the locker room for that decision. And that team is ranked ahead of the Missouri Tigers in the AP poll. Because they beat Texas A&M. Some people really do care about the AP poll. And, uh, but for oh, Hey. I, I got news. Most of the people that vote for it don't care that much. <laughs> right. They care more than the people that vote for it, truthfully. Right. Um, but before we move on to Kentucky, I need to tell you about the fine folks at DraftKings Sportsbook because the NFL season is going strong and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game this October. Get it on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KCSN. New customers can score a $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet five on the NFL. That's code KCSN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, let's turn the page. Let's look at Missouri's uh, upcoming game versus Kentucky. It's going to be a ranked matchup. No longer a ranked matchup. Under the lights in Lexington. Uh, Gabe, first thoughts on this game? It is a ranked matchup in the coaches' poll. That's fair. The Missouri uh, did hang on the coaches' poll. I saw you tweeted that. By the way, courtesy of uh, research Vahe Gregorian and I did during the game on Saturday, do you know the last time that Missouri was ranked and beat a ranked opponent? Oh. Oh. Um, wow, that would have to be like... 2013? 2014. 2014 Cotton Bowl versus Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Wow. That's, uh, That's almost cool. 10 years ago. So, like, they've been a ranked team and beaten unranked teams, and they've been unranked and beaten a ranked team, but they've not been ranked and huh. beaten a ranked team since then. Anyway, uh, I don't know. You asked me some question about Kentucky. That I <laughs> yeah, just a general general thoughts on the game type of deal. How you feel about it? Um. I feel like you flip a coin and yeah. see what happens. Um, I mean, they legitimately, they're both five and one. Um, they both have a loss to, you know, one of the upper echelon teams. Missouri's is obviously more competitive than Kentucky's. Um, like you want to say Missouri has the best win among the two, although the Kansas state win looks a little bit less best winish than it did a week ago. Um, you know, but I, I looked back from 2012 to 22. They played 11 times. Missouri has scored 268 points, and Kentucky has scored 263. Kentucky leads the series 7-4. The team that has won this game has always finished above the other one in the SEC East standings. So, oh. like, this is 
this is the game that determines, okay, are you in this conversation with Tennessee or whoever it is chasing Georgia, or are you more in this conversation, hey, we're trying to be better than Florida and BC? Because the winner of this game can talk about second in the East, and if it's Missouri, hey, go catch Georgia on the right day. The loser of this game really can't talk about that. The loser of this game is is more talking about, okay, let's be the best of kind of the second half of this division. Um, I, I mean, history proves that's what it is, and these are these are teams that are are I think very very evenly matched, which is reflected two and a half point favorite at home means basically if they're on a neutral field, it's a pick. It's a complete it's a completely winnable game to me, as almost every time we play Kentucky is. I mean, you look at all the weird situations that's happened when we play Kentucky. A lot of the time, they've mostly been very close. They've mostly been very close, and a lot of the times it's come down to something maybe weird happening and not typically in favor of the Missouri Tigers. But I think this year we have a very good chance of beating them. So I was looking at SEC. I think SEC Mike put this out. Uh, it's Missouri's number five pass offense versus Kentucky's number 69 pass defense. And then Kentucky has the number 15 rush defense versus Missouri's number 84 rush offense. So there's a little bit of a mismatch in there. But, you know, Kentucky hasn't really played that great of offenses yet. Right. So that those numbers could be the- skewed a little bit. Even Georgia's offenses aren't great They besides Brock Bowers. They have the number one pass offense in the country. Georgia does. They do. Yeah. Really? I, I know. I would. You wouldn't think it. It's just no. Uh, that's yes. a, that's uh, a massive shock to me. But uh, I, I looked at Bill Connolly's SP Plus rankings this morning. Kentucky is 29th. Missouri is 30th. Kentucky's about 20 spots better on defense. Missouri's about 20 spots better on offense. Kentucky is significantly better on special teams. So like. If you want to find something, you know, that, that could happen in this game. But I think it's it's special teams. I think it's penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, I, I'm not going to call this a must-win game because I don't think it is. Like, you can lose this game and go make up for it by beating South Carolina and Florida. And you can still go 8-4, and 9-3 and three if you lose this game. Mm-hmm. But I think this is a big prove-it weekend for Missouri. Like, they've done this whole something to prove. Nobody believes in us, blah, 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 right? All right, LSU, hey, you put up a fight. That was impressive. But, like, you want to be taken seriously as you're taking a big leap this year? Then you go beat a solid Kentucky team. I, I don't think they're great. They're, 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 a, I mean, these two teams are, they're in the same boat. And which one's going to step forward and which one's going to say, uh, we step forward a little, but maybe not quite as much as we wanted to. Yeah, I think it's going to be big. Uh, something that I you know I mentioned earlier in the podcast that I didn't really take into much consideration when thinking about Mizzou LSU was the the result of their game the previous week. Now Kentucky coming off of thrashing um, from Georgia, I don't know how much that'll play into uh, coming into this week. I mean, that's a it's an embarrassing game, a game that I I want to say the spread was like fourteen and a half or something like that. So Georgia. There were Kentucky people that had themselves convinced this was the year. Right. Co- correct. Yeah. And, I, and I think that, like, especially coming off of that big that game, how big of a letdown it was, I don't know how much that plays into hosting Missouri, a team that I know they probably see as a little brother here to them in, in the SEC. 
in, in years past. So I don't know how much that, that plays into uh, kind of how this team responds and everything like that. But uh, I think Loki, this might be Missouri's best rivalry in the SEC. Like, I, so. I don't think these teams like each other at all. No. I mean, you know, Nick Bolton and a couple other Missouri players over the last, I remember Martez Manuel talking last year, like, I don't like Kentucky. I'm, I'm just, that's all I'm going to say. I, I just don't like those guys. Um, I don't think Mark Stoops is Eli's biggest fan. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, I think there's some low key, like dislike among these teams and they are fairly competitive. I think they both view it as kind of a barometer game, you know, and like you, we always want to try to figure out what last week means. Right. So you can make the argument, Kentucky, the wins out of their sales after Georgia boat raced him and all that. You can also make the argument, Hey, Kentucky knew that game was over early second quarter. Like they just said, all right, forget this one. This one's done. We got Missouri next week. We can we can go now. You know, and 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 maybe they've just kind of had an easy second half and just said, all right, let's let's get on. Who knows uh, how it how it? I mean, you make the argument Missouri might feel pretty good about itself coming off feels like it should have beat LSU. You can also make the argument that they wake up and go, man, we blew that one, and they're still thinking about. It. I I don't know, man. They're twenty year old kidding. I, I am I'm optimistic about some things like Devin Leary not being as mobile of a quarterback. He has 12 rushes on the season from negative 48 yards. So that I'm a little bit, you know, more optimistic about. They have a great running back in in um in Bray Davis, 91 carries, 653 yards, leads the SEC. He had an amazing game against Florida, 250 yards. Which, you know, in that game, Devin Leary only threw for 69 yards. So it was a very rush-heavy game. Clearly, Florida's rushing defense isn't that good either. So we'll have to be much better in our our rushing defense in this game than we were against LSU. Kentucky typically is very good Kansas State-like, I think, in that Mm. you never look at them and think they're a really good team. But then you look up at the end and go, why did they beat us? It's a good call. Like, they just sat there and waited for you to make a mistake, right? They didn't make a lot of mistakes themselves, and you made a couple. Um, Missouri can't have 11 penalties in this game. <laughs> they can't draw five passes, you know? Um, they, they can't do some of the things that, like, I thought it was pretty interesting after the LSU game that the first thing Drink said, he said, we've been living on the edge with some things, and they burned us today, you know? And I think, even I didn't really realize it because when you're winning, you don't tend to focus Correct. on those things, right? Um, but then all of a sudden, when they when they become a loss, all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah. When you think about it, they've been doing all those things all year. They just didn't didn't burn them. I, they do those things in Lexington, and and they're going to be sitting there five and two trying to get back on track. Well, and we're lucky. Some of those penalties weren't like uh, I had I written down I wrote down how many yards the penalties were for, but we're lucky that well, they, they weren't. Very many, as many nine, be, nine of them happened inside the five yard line. That's yeah. exactly what I wrote down. I was like, they were all at that same point. Like they were the, um, like, it, the yeah, it was like counts. a one point penalty. Yeah, the snap and fraction or the, I'm sorry, the multiple, uh, disconcerting signals and stuff like that. Was that was disconcerting to me. I didn't enjoy <laughs> yeah, it. I didn't, didn't know. I, I'm like, they had to have had meetings at the SEC this week and we're like, mm-hmm. we're calling those, we're calling those. I mean, if they just called it simulating the snap, cool. I, I've heard of that. 
I know that's a penalty, but no clapping allowed. You cannot clap. They call it it three or four times, right? On both teams, yes. They, they call it on both teams. Yeah. one against LSU. Yeah, I was gonna say two on us for sure. Yeah. I didn't know that that was a thing until. Neither did neither did Darius Robinson. He said he didn't know what it meant, and I don't blame him. I didn't really know what it meant either. We all looked at each other and said, "Was it that?" I did always think it, I did kind of think it was funny when the the officials would go delay a game and you'd hear, "Yeah," and then <laughs> on the defense they're like, "It was." It was kind of a banner day for the zebras on Saturday. I mean, first oh. of all, there were 900 flags. It, there was a hot mic when he got caught telling Eli Drinkwitz Johnny Walker spit on somebody. You know, <laughs> all around. Oh, well, that was for a while. That was brutal. That was brutal. Yeah, oh, Johnny Walker. It was a long thing. Trying to get a guy off of him too. Uh, for kicking yeah, a guy. You kick somebody, you're getting a flag. That's fair. Actually, but the, at the at the K State game, I actually I uh, I stopped by. Uh, tailgate with some former Mizzou players before and a couple of them were old offensive linemen and they were telling me stories about like what they used to do to guys under the pile yeah yeah I mean dude that that's a bad play like if you kick somebody you're getting caught it's probably not your fault he probably had a hold of bad places or something yeah yeah you can't do it can't can't be kicking them but um all right Gabe as you mentioned Kentucky favored by two points uh, friends at two and a half points by friends at DraftKings Sportsbook uh, let's get into picking this one. Uh, predictions, uh, Gabe. What do you think? What's going to go down in uh, Lexington here in about five days? Well, you know what's not a good move for me. It's coming off vacation for two weeks and taking a coin flip game and picking against Missouri and making everybody mad. Right? <laughs> Why would I do that? I'm what? just here to make everybody like me. That's all I really want. So um, I'll go Missouri thirty-one twenty-seven. Okay, Maggie. Um. I am going to go Missouri also, but I'm going same four points, but 28-24. I don't think we're, I think we're not a uh, a 30, we're not really a 30 scoring team. We just, no, I, th- I think that's what they do now. I think that's what they do hey, now. They if they want to do it now, I would love to be did, wrong. Did they score 30 against Memphis? I can't remember what the final score of that game is. We did score thirty. We it was thirty four twenty seven, right? Okay, so that's four straight games with thirty. Look at us, thirty four twenty. Are we? That's what they do. They score thirty against Power Five teams. I'm going. I'm still doing twenty eight twenty four. I don't trust it. Total for this game is at uh. Well, I just used my two and a half. I googled Mizzou Memphis on the same tab that I was taking all the information from, so I have to take it back <laughs> back on it. Fifty three is what DraftKings has it at. Um, Gabe taking the over with 58. Maggie, what did you say your score was? 28-24, Mizzou. I think that's low scoring. I truly think that 28-24 is low scoring. Um, I'm going to go 34-31, the Missouri Football Tigers. Um, 34-31, is that what I said? Yeah, 34-31 is what I'm going to go with. Um, as you can tell, a lot of thought was put into that score, and I'm going to take the over as well. I just think that this is going to be a weird game uh, because every time Missouri and Kentucky meet, we will have a new rule emphasis by the end of the year, um, usually is what ends up happening. Something very strange. We'll ha- I'm sure Fumble Ruski, somebody will play. How did, how, did we, how did we get through this whole podcast not talking about that whole punt thing last year? I forgot about that. 
forgot that was 39 yards behind the line of scrimmage. It's one of my favorite. That's one of my, I think I've used that phrase more than I've used any other phrase the entire year. 39 yards behind the line of scrimmage. It's like my like tagline. Also, still, even 12 months later, what hell of a play by the Kentucky punter. Unreal that for him to still get that ball. Pretty amazing. He gave his line for the <laughs> University of Kentucky football. Is he still the or at least of? his right leg? No, he that was his that was his last year of eligibility. That was it. He was done. So he's still he, he actually he, ever, he, he could no longer played. walk after that play. He was done playing football. <laughs> he's selling insurance in the middle of Kentucky somewhere. Um that's he probably had the signed cast like up in his office. <laughs> that was absurd. I do remember at SEC media days, they used that play as an example of like, yeah, this isn't actually roughing the kicker. Like, you can't actually. Five yards. You can't actually do that. Five yard uh, roll. I just can say that that happened there. So maybe something happens and bounces Missouri's way in this game. Who knows? It seems like this year's been a little different. But then the, the pessimistic Mizzou fan will say, like, well, that means it's just bound to happen. That means it's just, it's just not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. The face uh, mask is going to get called on a, on a third down. <laughs> It, it's not all even happening in Kentucky. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, listen, I, I saw a lot of people upset about that face mask not being called. They didn't call a false start up and shoot the goal line. Now. So, I mean, <laughs> it all evens out. They evened uh, it out literally, I think, like both, the next play, something happened and we and it wasn't called or something else. Both, by the way, were like neither one was a hard call. I, I legitimately oh, right. both yeah. of them from yes. the press box, which is well. Not that's what I was way. saying. Every single person in the stadium saw that face mask, and I'm like, "How? Yeah. That's your one job is to like watch the quarterback." I mean, he grabbed him and like yanked him. Around. This is the easiest call you could have possibly made. The false start was but really bad. It was a false really start, bad. also bad. The false start was also very bad. It was very bad. Yeah. It was that um, I understand that that NFL game a couple of weeks ago too. I think it was like the Eagles game, and the the lineman. Stepped, I don't know, like that's probably Lane Johnson. Back. Yeah, that makes sense. And they didn't call it, and I was like, that. I don't know. Z- I don't know. Xavier Delgado's was like a Jawan Taylor false start. Like there was no hype. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. Um, all right, that's gonna do it. We're all picking Missouri to win because this is just a barely the biggest homework podcast there's ever been. Yep. Um, <laughs> Missouri's ever lose. You all a- happy? Missouri's ever lose a football game again? Is that what you want us to say? Fine, I'll say it. Um. But, uh, yeah, hopefully get the bowl eligibility, match the Eli Drinkwitz win total um, through seven games that he did all the last two years. Uh, so that'd be pretty sick for that to happen. As we talked about, I mean, they've got a pretty they've – got a, they've got obviously got a tough game at Georgia. Georgia's still good, but uh, they've got some pretty winnable games coming up here uh, in the future as well, some tough ones against the Mississippi's two teams to really see where the program's at. But um, we will be back next week with another episode, talking, uh, talking, recapping this uh, Kentucky-Missouri game. So until then, for Gabe DeArmond and Maggie Johnson, I'm Tucker Franklin. We'll talk to you guys next week.